Well, welcome back into the 1248 hour. Chris Alberta again sitting in for Paul. Now, this is a topic that we have been tossing around the last few times I've been on depression and anxiety, especially in younger people. There's been several new reports, one of which just came out. It's called On Edge understanding and preventing young adults' mental health challenges. Now, this has touched my family, and I know many of yours, too. But as we start to unpack all this stuff, it's great to have an expert on, and we're lucky enough to have Adina Payton on the line with us. Adina, how are you this morning? Doing great, thank you. Well, thanks again for joining. Adina, what is your personal experience uh, with, with mental illness, anxiety, depression within your own family, and what has led you to be a bit of a thought leader in this space? Well, um Three years ago, on November 17th, my son was in a mental health crisis and uh, was shot 16 times after a a standoff with the police. And after that happened, you know, I realized that I didn't know what to do for him, that I had no idea how to help him, even though we were both in recovery at the same time. And so I started to uh, notice how many you know, in my personal experience, first responders, uh, the police that had to deal with that night, uh, firemen, uh, ambulance drivers, that they are traumatized daily and really can't get help because of the position that they're in. So I started a nonprofit so that we could bring attention to um, and destigmatize this subject because I wasn't able to really talk to anybody about what was going on with Brad because it was such a um, shamed subject. And if, you know, to talk about it would be to make it worse for your family or anybody else's family. So I kind of came out with guns blazing to help the um, first responders and then help other young people so that their parents could help them before it got to the end. Sure. Well, Adina, my heart breaks for you. It's a very sad thing to hear. How old was Brad? Um, Brad was 41, but the anxiety, the depression, you know, I didn't have the skill set really to be a great mom, as many people aren't, because I was in, um, you know, active drinking and that kind of thing. And so I passed that along to him. And so he struggled most of his life, like I think a lot of kids do now, and they really don't know where to turn. And then when COVID hit, it isolated them even more. So the the skill set of being able to communicate, connect, they never got it, even if they had great parents. And so now they're going into young adulthood without the ability to connect they're still on social media, so they're not face-to-face connecting, and a lot of them don't have a purpose. You know, they're just out there kind of grasping, mm-hmm. and there's no spiritual connection. Uh, there's no helping others. You know, that is what has really helped me after my son's death was just trying to keep going on a dark day, was trying to think of somebody else that I could help. Sure. And Adina, looking back now, of course, I'm sure you daydream about a scenario where you could get in a time machine and go back and do something, anything to, to help Brad. With that in mind, what would you do now, knowing what you've been through? And, and of course, I'm sure you've now intersected with a whole lot of other people who've had the same or similar circumstance. What is the best first step? I mean, we talk about 
the stigmatization of mental illness, anxiety, depression. Some of it is overstated. Some of it is vastly understated. How should someone really go and first try to find help or find help for their children? So that is a great question. If I could go back, I would have been much more proactive with my child. Now, he was out of the house, so it wasn't like, you know, a teenager, but I would have insisted on uh, private mental health counseling, a one-on-one, because for him, the drugs and alcohol escalated into, you know, more of a mental illness, and I recovery alone could not do that for him. So he needed, and I think many people need to have access to a therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, some of this stuff medicine can cure, but a lot of the trauma and things that were already there before COVID, um, before the pandemic, um, that they, we can't just uh, watch a movie or read a book or, you know, Sure. Do a kumbaya. We need we need a, a specialist to help with that. Yeah. And you know, on our website, and I just wanted to bring this up because we have some resources. Um, I started Grammy, getting real about mental illness. And it's a real catchy acronym, so most people can remember it. But our website is GrammyUS.org, okay. and it, it tells the story of Brad. And it gives some resources. And if you don't find what you're looking for, just shoot me an email and I'll connect one-on-one and try to get you some help. But I would look around, try to get out of your space and, and invade their space. Because suicidal people and depressed people are not going normally to come to you. And they don't know they need help. They just they're spiraling in the dark. Sure. Adina, and, you know, in retrospect now, of course, you can, you probably put everything together and you can see that. Was it something, you know, despite the alcoholism and any other issues that, you know, took place in the household at the time, are you able to go back and say that that was easily identifiable had you known what you were looking for? Or was Brad kind of under the radar? You weren't, you didn't know how bad it really was for him internally. Oh, that's another good question. Well, because the, of the drugs and alcohol, a lot of times there's a problem that we're seeing in our mental health coalition is that people have a dual diagnosis. They are in, you know, an alcoholic or a drug addict, but they do, in addition to that, have a mental illness. And so we've been sending people to a therapist when they needed to be getting sober before, you know, getting sober might've cured the mental health part of it. So that's something else that I would, now that I know that I would, I would have known that it's something in addition to the drugs and alcohol. Um, You don't always know it because people can hide it. A severely depressed person can cover that. Um, and so you have to first give a darn. You have to have a give a darn quotient um, to look outside yourself. Right. Because once somebody gets into that mode, they're very into self. And, the, and, and they have to be able to have hope and just think about somebody else. Um, but they're not going to be able to rescue themselves. Right. Well, Adina, and this I, is... I, 
you're doing spectacular work and I, I can hear the hurt in your heart and in your voice. So we all can empathize as best we can. I've lost a child too. It is a heartbreaking thing. I, I We've had so many debates locally and, and with recency lately in my family because there's so much anxiety and depression. It's very common now for people to say, well, I have anxiety or I have depression. Oftentimes it's not clinically diagnosed, but if you're consistently just saying, well, that's just part of being a human, right? It's tough to be a, a young person growing up and there's new pressures and, you know, you got to go make a living and you got to deal with other the people of the other sex most of the time. And yeah, life has anxiety in it, but there's a razor's edge, a tipping point that can be hit that can get pretty nasty pretty fast. And you're doing wonderful work. Again, one more time, it's Grammy, G-R-A-M-I dot U-S. It's Grammy U-A-S. GrammyUS.org. Everybody, go check out the website. Adina Payton, thank you so much for coming on the program. We'll talk to you again soon. Back very quickly after the break.